What's up, guys? We're back with another episode of Adjusting a Life. It's your boy Marcus with the squad, with the crew, and we're back with another episode. And I just want to, you know, thank you guys for stay tuning in. And I just want to start off by asking, how's your day been today, Danny? My day's been good. Um, you know, it's Friday. I'm happy, you know, to be in the weekend and to, you know, get get things ready for uh, for next week. I'm planning on. You know, doing some research uh, with the research department. Alex was telling me. Well, Alex's girlfriend was telling me about that. So I'm working on getting some research done with the uh, with some stuff with neuro. So you know, I got a lot of big things planned, and um, this break's going to be fun for sure. So, what about you, Ken? Well, you know, I'm just glad the week's over. Obviously, starting to prepare for finals, so get some studying in done on the weekend. You know, have a little friendsgiving hopefully over the weekend as well. So it should be nice. How about yourself, Ryan? Uh, my day is pretty good. Woke up, felt great. Uh, hopefully, we'll finish the day strong too. But I'm very much looking forward to Thanksgiving. I cannot wait to go home. Uh, but yeah, what about you, Marcus? I appreciate you, you know, throwing that back to me and actually asking me how my day been today on this podcast. But my day's been pretty good and like pretty long. But uh, overall, it's been it's been pretty good. Um. I broke my phone yesterday, so we, you know, we ain't gonna talk about that. But <laughs> class has been going very, very well. Um, it's kind of right out the midterms week, so it's it's very, very sluggish for me to be honest with you. But I did really, really good on all my exams, and I feel just I, I feel motivated, but I'm tired at the same time. So I definitely, definitely need a break. What about you, Alex? I'm doing good, doing good. Just been here comforting uh, Marcus in his time of need without his phone. Um, got up this morning, spent some time in the, the outreach clinic here at the school, got to see some patients, so I, I can't complain. I'm, I'm living life. Alex was serving as uh, the new version of Alexa for Marcus, so hey. anytime Marcus needed some status updates on his football team or something, <laughs> he was asking Alex, hey Alex, <laughs> how's the Rams doing this week? Oh, I've, I've given him the weather, I've given him the temperature, I'm, I'm his right-hand man the last couple of days. And I truly appreciate you for that. But today we have a very, very special guest for you guys. Um, he, you know, he's been very, very valuable to this university and to everyone he's always been around. He's also a former Canadian Chiropractic of the Year in 2006. I would like to introduce Dr. Gilles Lamarche. How are you doing today? Gentlemen, I'm doing fantastically well. I'm honored to be with you today. And yeah, like you, I had an awesome day. I woke up, as I always do, in a, in a state of gratitude and uh, joyful and happy to come to the office. And here we are, Friday evening, hanging out together. Yes, sir. I kind of wanted to just start off by, you know, just asking you, what, what brought you into chiropractic? Um, what, you know, what just, what inspired you to become such a great chiropractor that you became? That's a great question because it started actually at the age of 12. And um, I was a pretty smart kid. I skipped two grades in elementary school. And I was 12 years old in ninth grade. And I got bullied a lot. I got picked on. And one day, the teacher decided to pick on me. And as a joke, he pulled the chair from underneath me. And I landed on my bottom and injured my back. And of course, I remember you know, sitting on the floor crying I mean, because it was really painful. You know, they called my mother, et cetera, et cetera. Did the traditional route, right? My mother took me to the doctor. Well, first of all, my mother just put me to bed with some aspirin and said, you know, you'll be better tomorrow. Tomorrow I wasn't better. The next tomorrow I still wasn't better. Ended up in a physician's office and did the traditional medical route of medication and whatever it is that they gave me back then. 
six months into the process, still having problems with my back. And somebody said to my mom, why don't you take him to a chiropractor? And she said, well, what's a chiropractor? Nobody in my family had ever been to a chiropractor. So you're talking, this is 54, almost 55 years ago, a long time ago. Anyway, I ended up in a chiropractor's office. His name was Dr. Ron Ingard. He was uh, a recent grad, maybe three or four months. And he was a fantastic doc. Like he did a great consultation, great examination, took x-rays of my spine, full spine. And I went back the next day for a report of findings. And he mentioned this word I'd never heard called subluxation. And not only was he referring to a subluxation in the low part of my spine, but he was referring to subluxations in other areas of my spine. And I remember him asking my mom, you know, did Jill ever get dropped on his head or fall off a change table or something, you know, as a, as a young child? She, and I remember my mom sitting there and started to tear up a little bit. And it was the first time I'd ever heard that I was a forceps delivery baby. So it had been a very, very traumatic birth. And that was why there was no picture of me until I could sit upright on my own in, in the middle of the floor. So I was probably at least six months because they'd sort of ripped the side of my head. But, you know, thank God they saved me and they saved my mom, which is a good thing. But obviously they created damage in my spine that this chiropractor had noticed. And I had been asymptomatic. I had had no pain anywhere in my body except my belly. So I was always an unwell child. I always had issues with digestion and constipation. And there he was with the x-rays, you know, on the, the view box and an, autonom an autonomic nervous system chart relating how the spine, um, you know, protected the spinal cord and how the messages from the brain that go to all parts of the body had to exit the spine. And so he was relating the nerves to the stomach, et cetera. And he asked if I had any issues with my stomach. And my mom said, well, yeah, but the doctor said there's nothing wrong with him. They always said it's all in his head. And so he explained what he would do. And we agreed to begin care. He would be adjusting my spine, correcting my subluxations. And I will tell you, when I hear people say I don't believe in chiropractic, I said, you don't have to believe in chiropractic. I didn't believe in chiropractic. I'd been to all these doctors as a kid who told me there was nothing wrong with me. And here was this guy telling me that he was going to fix these submarines in my back, right? these subluxations in my back, and that I would be well. Well, I started care hoping that at least he would help me with my back pain so I could resume like normal activities. And I'll tell you, within a couple of months, not only was my back pain gone, completely gone, probably within a couple of weeks for the back pain, but within a couple of months, my physiological functions were all restored to normal. And I've never had issues with that ever since, 55 years. And I looked at the guy, I remember saying, you know, when he was doing his, um, his review, uh, re-exam, and um, looking at my function, my function was well restored. I was completely asymptomatic. And I said, when I'm big, I'm going to be like you. And so there it was, as a 12-year-old made a decision to become a chiropractor after my personal experience as a chiropractor, when nobody in my family had been to a chiropractor yet at that time. I was the only one under care. But that's where the, the journey started. Wow. Can I just say, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I looked over it and I saw everybody's jaw dropped. We were all just like, what the? Like, bro, that, wow. I, I'm... I'm I'm, a, I'm at a loss for words. Um, first of all, thank you for the wonderful story. You're welcome. Um, I wanted to ask you. So we got your history behind chiropractic. Can I, if you don't mind me asking, what, when you practiced, what was your practice like? You know, what, um, what kind of patients did you see? Stuff like that. 
I had a family wellness practice. It was a principled chiropractic practice. I locate, analyze, and adjust subluxations. That's what I did all day long. And I will tell you, um, I was fortunate, but I, I mean, I worked, but I built a very large, very successful practice very early. And I tell you this not to boast, but on the financial side, I was in the black my first day in practice. What does that mean? I made more money my first day than my expenses, which caused me to be in the black my first week, which caused me to be in the black my first month. So I made more money my first month than my expenses, which told me that this is going to be great. Deliver service, people get well, and you actually earn a really, really good living. And I will tell you that at the end of my first year, I made more money than I ever thought a person could make. But that wasn't the important part. I had more fun. I rendered more service. I saw more people get well than I ever imagined was possible as a young, wet behind the ears, sort of virgin chiropractor, right? First year in practice. So I hit the ground running. And I can tell you that I did it based on what I was told by a mentor. My mentor says, you must um, hand out a thousand business cards before you ever open your doors, which means you've got to go out and meet a thousand people before you open your doors. And I thought that was a lot. He said, well, if you think that's a lot, you have to hand out 5,000 business cards your first year in practice. Everybody needs to know who you are. And I remember at first saying, wow, that's a lot. How am I going to do that? He says, well, think about it. It's simple. Divide 5,000 by 52. What does it give you? I said, less than 100. He said, exactly. Divide 100 by 7. What does that give you? I said, well, less than 17. He said, yeah. So what, you, what do you have to do? You have to hand out that many cards. And it was actually less than 14 was the answer, right? 14. Around 14. So you have to hand out 14 cards a day. And you've got to do that seven days a week for 12 months. But the first 1,000 cards you got to hand out before you ever open your doors. He said, I guarantee if you do that, and you're able to deliver the goods, which means you follow a process of thorough consultation, thorough examination. You know, x-rays, never deliver an adjustment on the first visit. Take the time to review your findings. Prepare a written report of findings that you share with the patient on their next visit. He said, if you follow this protocol and you're a good adjuster, which I was because I trained, and I will tell you, I don't know all of you how many minutes a day you train since your first quarter, but I trained 15 minutes a day beginning my first week. I learned to develop my thrust because an adjustment is not just a physical interaction. It is a neurological result of you locating the subluxation, analyzing the subluxation, and deciding exactly how you're going to correct it. Well, that's neurological. So that the more you practice it, the better you get. And you grow from the stage of being what I call, and you may have heard, but sort of the four quadrants of learning, which is unconscious incompetence. That's when you don't know what you don't know. And then all of a sudden I realized, I don't know how to adjust. Well, now I became consciously incompetent. Right? I wasn't good, but I knew I wasn't good. And so I practiced and I practiced and I practiced until I became consciously competent. So I could think, I could measure, I could do everything, put my hands just the right, right way, and then I could trust. But I had to think about all that. Mm. And the more I practiced, I became unconsciously competent. And the key is to get to the point where you're unconsciously competent. 
But the first phase of, of practicing and developing the skill was to develop your palpation skills. Dr. Joe Bunyan, first week of technique class, says to develop your palpation skill, you're going to have to touch a lot of spines and you're going to have to touch a lot of things. He said, and here's my recommendation. He said, pull a hair out of your head. I had hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody in class pulled the hair out of their head. He said, now put it between two sheets of paper. Close your eyes, drop it, put another sheet of paper, and try to find the hair. A few of us could find it. Most couldn't. He said, if you do this 10, 15 minutes a day, every day, he said, by the end of one year, you will be able to find a two-inch hair under 100 pages of a textbook. We all thought he was crazy. But I had learned from my first mentor, the best thing you can do is not to judge what a mentor suggests. Just do what the mentor says until you can prove him wrong or her wrong or until you gain the benefit of what they're teaching you. So I went home that night. I opened up Gray's Anatomy, first page, pulled the hair out, dropped it without looking, and I palpated. And in about 15 minutes, I said, oh, I think it's there. And I raised the page, and sure enough, the hair was underneath my fingers. Huh. I did it the next day, and the next day, and the next day, 365 days. How many pages of Gray's Anatomy do you think under which I could find the hair? He had said I could find it under 100 pages. I practiced every day for 15 minutes. Within one year, I could feel a two-inch hair under 250 pages of Gray's Anatomy. And I can guarantee you that if you do it yourself, within a year, you'll come back to me and go, you know what? I thought you were crazy when you said that, but I've been doing it, and you're absolutely right. And so your palpation skills help you do what? Detect and analyze the subluxation. And yes, if you use x-ray and other measurements, that's great. But where does it all start? Chiropractic, done by hand. So as students listening in, if you only practice your palpation skills and your technique when you're in adjusting lab, you will be mediocre when you graduate, guaranteed. It'll take you years to become exceptional. Why not spend 15 minutes every day now to become exceptional later? So I never went to chiropractic college to be mediocre. I went to chiropractic college to be exceptional. And that's not speaking from an ego position. It's like, wouldn't you want to be taken care of by an exceptional chiropractor yourself? And if that's what you want for yourself, then why wouldn't you do whatever it takes for you to be exceptional? So 15 minutes a day of palpation, year one, and 15 minutes a day of developing your thrust. Just your thrust. So I would stand, so I'll do it for you guys, you can watch me, but I would stand like this, put my hands together as if I was doing like a hole-in-one adjustment, and I would just thrust, thrust, thrust. Take a break, thrust, thrust, thrust. Develop, right, what are you developing? You develop your triceps, you're developing your pec, but you're developing your speed. Right, so you learn to analyze the subluxation, then you position yourself, boom, and you're in and you're out, and you don't hurt people. It takes practice, a lot of practice. I just, <laughs> I just, oh goodness, I just want to say, like, like 
Danny said before, wow. Like, it's just, it goes back to not only just chiropractic in a sense, it goes back to just life. Like, you want to be an exceptional person no matter how, no matter what you're doing. No matter if you, like like I said before, if you're going to, um, you know, do some, follow your dream, you need to follow it to the best of your ability or be the, you know, be the best that you can be at any given point. And so, by you just saying that, it kind of gave... It kind of gave me and I'm pretty sure the other guys uh, a lot of motivation to keep like to keep pushing because like sometimes you go through the program and sometimes, you know, you get a little tired. You like, OK, uh, and you basically start licking your wounds. But at the end of the day, you got to realize, you know, you're going through all these classes for a reason. You you know, you want to be the best that you can be for like for the person that you're going to you're going to be helping in the end. And so that was that was. <laughs> That was next level. Like you met, you really inspired us all. Just for, especially for the listeners out there, he is dropping some gems, and I just want to, you know, I, I'm, oh goodness, <laughs> that is great. You know, we were doing, we were doing air thrust back then, right? But now you guys have speeder boards. It didn't exist 55, 50 years ago, or yeah, I started school 47, yeah, 47 years ago. I started chiropractic school, so you have speeder boards now. You can be practicing on your speeder board. And then what you can do, you can do speederboard competitions amongst each other. You know, who could do it the fastest? How many thrusts can you do in 30 seconds? Boom, 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 boom. And see how quick you become. So you can just have fun. So I made it fun. But in the back of my mind was exactly what you said, Marcus. I was training for the person that was going to be laying on my table. Everyone, every day, takes training. You know, when... When you said this, all that could pick could run through my head was Dr. Thornhill and I in the gym one day talking. And, you know, for those of you that are in the program, you guys know Dr. Thornhill, very big philosophy-based chiropractor, wonderful man. And he would he told me, he said, you know, the reason why they call the chiropractic practice a practice is because you're always practicing, you're always developing. And he told me, he said, you know, Right here, you're in the gym. You're practicing for your practice. When you work out, that's you, that's you getting ready. That's you preparing your body physiologically to be able to perform what you need to perform. You're releasing those hormones. You're, getting, you're creating those new neuronal synapses. I mean, everything's, everything's pumping at, at its 100%. When you're in the gym, when you're, you know, when you're studying, when you're doing all these things, that's all preparing you to be that chiropractor that you want to be. And... He told me, he said, you know, it, the practice begins in school. Just like how Dr. LaMarche was saying, the practice begins in school. And this isn't with just chiropractic school. This is, you're a PT school. If you're an OT, if you're an athletic trainer, if you're going to medical school, if you're a high schooler and you're playing, let's say, let's say you're LaMarcus Carradine and you're in high school and you're playing college ball every single time that you're doing something, whether you're playing a game, whether you're practicing your football, whatever it is that you're doing every moment, that's what leads up to your big game. That's what leads up to your practice. That's what leads up to your life. And one thing that kind of reminds me of is how you said you are getting ready for your patients every day with this practice is something that uh, Dr. Carter said in our orthopedic diagnosis class where he said, your patients are getting ready for you now, so you need to get ready for your patients now. Mm. And one thing that Dr. Carter, uh, I think that we could all agree with is how influential he is on this campus. 
from a diagnostic standpoint and like orthopedic tests and everything like that. And one thing I'm just curious to ask is just if you personally can make a sole decision on just like one thing to uh, introduce to this university or this DC program uh, without any resistance that you think could be like the most beneficial to the students, what do you think it could be? Well, I will tell you it's, it's a thinking process and I would ask you, you know, what's the difference between a master and a student? And so I'm going to wait for your answer, but I'm, going to, but I'm going to tell you my answer. A student thinks that he or she can become a master. A master knows that he or she is always a student. Right? Think about that. So a master knows. So to think that the journey that you're on, you probably look at it, or some of you look at it, as if there's going to be an end when you graduate, right? When you graduate, that's not the end. That's why they call it a commencement exercise. It's the beginning of the next chapter of your life. There is no end to that until you take your last breath. So I love to encourage people to think about what is it going to take for you to be exceptional and to be exceptional all the time? How do you show up? If you walk around campus with me someday and we walk by and there happens to be a, a plastic spoon on the ground or a piece of paper, I can guarantee you I'm picking it up. Whether you're with me or whether you're not with me, whether somebody's watching or nobody's watching, I don't really care. Because living your life from integrity is always doing something to be exceptional and to always planning on making a difference. How are you going to choose to make a difference? And if we could get that into everybody's mind, into everybody's heart, then they truly would understand the principle of lasting purpose. Lasting purpose is not just a bunch of words. To give, to do, to love, to serve from your own abundance with no expectation of return. Some people forget that last set of words around the lasting purpose verb, you know, verbiage. But lasting purpose, to give, do, love, serve from your own abundance with no expectation of return. So you serve. And when you go and serve, you get to understand that that's the privilege. That's the honor. When I would walk in to introduce myself to a new patient, I would say, hi, I'm Dr. LaMarche. I'm honored that you've chosen me to be your chiropractor. Because you should be honored that someone chose you over somebody else. You should be honored that they chose to come into your practice, to fill out the paperwork, to sit in a chair, and to wait to share their life with you. You should be honored that a mother comes in or a father comes in and they hand you their one-week-old baby to examine them. So. I think my biggest job here that I love to do and the impact I like to have is to get people's hearts to be like fully open, to understand that like you were chosen to be a chiropractor. You may think that you chose this profession, but something puts you on the road, right? My road, I had a teacher who, by the way, ended up being a regular practice member for like 20 plus years, that exact teacher who pulled the chair from underneath me and caused me to get injured that brought me to the chiropractor in the first place. That was divine intervention, right? I was ordained to become a chiropractor. I didn't know that at the time. So helping students understand that, I think, is probably the biggest piece because I live it every day. I own it. This is not rhetoric. It's not just words that I use. If you could be the fly on the wall and observe me day to day, that's how I live my life. 
That was an answer I did not expect to go that way, but I honestly think that was something that everyone here needed to hear, and that was actually a really great answer. Thank you. you It's it's not about a new book or a new room or a new building, all of which we are going to do anyway. But what's important is to inspire you to tap into the best version of yourself, to discover every single day, to recognize that you have talents, and some of your talents are dormant. So the job of the institution is to awaken that. You know, Tony Robbins years ago wrote a book, Awaken the Giant Within. Well, that's our job. An educator's job is to awaken that giant that's already inside of you. It's not just about regurgitating information that you must learn to get to the point where you, you, know, you can pass your OSCEs and you can pass your boards, you can get, a, you can get a, a license to practice chiropractic, but it's about really tapping into that special place of who you are and having us help you discover that. And when you discover it, for us to nurture that. Everything we do is to help you nurture that. I can tell you if you sat in at the executive table on any meetings with Dr. Scott and the rest of the executives, anytime ideas come, we always say, is that in the best interest of our students? Is that going to help our students be better when they graduate? Whether they're graduating as a chiropractor or a master's in athletic training, whatever it is, is that in the best interest of our student? So trust me, that's why I'm here. That's, that's absolutely amazing. And I, as someone who's taken the first three boards, I can firsthand say the school does an amazing job preparing us. I've, I've of course, doing classes and review, review um, sessions, and it's impressive how much we, it's impressive how much we know due to what we learn in our courses. It's, the school does a very excellent job preparing us to become our best, our best selves, for sure. I would like to say one thing. As somebody who went through the first, what was it, four or, well, the first year technically of assembly online, I'm, now that I understand a little bit better what la- the reason behind lasting purpose, it almost, I'm grateful that we're back on campus. I'm grateful that I get to be here and listen to these assemblies because it makes me really appreciate it because my my understanding of an assembly back in the day when I was in grade school was, all right, we're going to go to an assembly. We're going to listen to somebody talk about, you know, something hor- hor- you know horrendous. And it's not going to motivate me. It's, and what instead it's going to do is it's going to make me upset. So why do I even want to go? And then I remember going to the first assembly and I texted Marcus and Ryan and Ken and Alex. I was like, hey, guys, where do we where do we sit? What are we going to do? I, you know, I need to study. I need to get ready for class. And I remember having my iPad in my hand getting ready to study i think it was ortho and i'm like doc, dr scott comes on and he starts talking and i i put my i put my stuff down and i was like dude this is what what is this and i looked at marcus and i'm like bro this isn't your typical assembly like this is this is real this is raw and i i was sitting there i'm like man this this is what i came to school for like these types of talks and i remember ken always telling me like yeah man you got to come to this philosophy night you got to come over here and listen to this stuff you know like it's really good like i i feel motivated every time i come out of there and i i've always kept pushing it off and then you know just i got to know dr thornhill who tip you know typically talks on those philosophy nights and i i talked to him and i'm like man i thank you because you motivated me to want to go to those i mean it's the philosophy behind chiropractic is definitely one of the things that keeps me pushing. 
Yeah, take advantage of what we offer. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes on to doing that. And when you come and you participate, I will tell you that the most important lesson that I learned is to show up. Just show up. Something happens, show up. You never know. The person you'll meet, the insight that you will gain, the power of conversation that will develop. But life starts when you show up. So at school, the, greater, the greatest of experiences will occur when you just choose to show up and be open. So you show up with intention to not be studying ortho when you're in assembly, but to be paying attention to assembly. I call it, and other people have called it, my mentor called it, present time consciousness. So right now we're in this boardroom, right? Six of us together. Am I thinking of anything else other than the five of you? No. Present time consciousness. We're not thinking about grabbing our phone or where we're going to go. And when you develop that ability to be presently time conscious, you're going to bring that into your patients. You can only see one patient at a time. You can only adjust one adjustment at a time. So bringing that intention of present time consciousness is a key to having a life of fulfillment, a life that is meaningful, a life of significance. Not just a significant life, but a life of significance. Present time consciousness is another little golden nugget that you can take with you tonight and those of you listening in. You know, that's really like inspirational and motivating because like Danny said, you know, I told him to come to these philosophy nights. I wasn't always on board on coming to, you know, these assemblies and I didn't really know what to expect either. But just going up and showing up and being there, being there in the moment, being present in that moment and really paying attention, it really just not only motivates you to, for your for the next day, week, whatever it may be, but it may inspire you for something greater. And I, I just have to say thank you for all the, you know, information, all the gems that you're dropping on us and all the, you know, listeners. We'll, we'll have to do this again. Oh, definitely. I'm, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah. I've got, I've got a lot more great stories that will shake your boots, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to... I just want to take out the time to basically j just say thank you um, for, you know, coming on this podcast, dropping these gems, just, you know, expressing what it's like to be a magnificent chiropractor like yourself. And I, I, I just I'm at a loss for words, really, to be honest, because you 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 did everything and more. Um, that we even asked for coming on this podcast. You you can't you came and just. You killed it. <laughs> That's all I can say. And so I just I just want to say thank you. And I know these other guys want to say it as well. Dr. Lamarsh, it truly I, I don't I don't mean to steal your um your experience, but it truly is an honor to have you on this podcast. Um, you know, we we always tell our our, our guests our podcast is our platform for you, but we feel like we were just presented to this. I mean, it was like assembly 2.0, but a private assembly. I mean, this was, I, I don't even know, like part of me wants to go get groceries. Part of me wants to go back, get a speeder board and start a competition between my whole quarter. Like this. Why not? It, right. Why literally. not? I mean, you be, you be encouraging to them or whoever's listening in, like create something that causes people in Hamas to actually want to work together. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, it, we we practice every we practice. I would say, if not every day, every couple of days, 
we practice, whether it's palpating, we practice our tests that we have. Like for example, with Alex, with Oski's, with last quarter, we were we were practicing with him. Like every few days, we would practice whatever classes we had going on that were involved with Oski's. We were practicing all together. So I mean, I I'm definitely we're we're gonna start we're gonna set something up. That's for sure. So so up your game, practice every day. I'm asking you, 30 minutes. 15 minutes in the morning on palpation, 15 minutes maybe in the evening on developing your thrust, your adjusting skills, 15 minutes twice a day. So, doesn't sound like a lot, and it isn't a lot. But let me tell you, do the math, right? 30 minutes every single day, three and a half hours every single week. That's about 200 hours in your first year. Another 200 hours in year two. You're heading towards that expertise. And so you've got to do it every day. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. It's an honor to be with you, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Well, thank you guys for tuning in with another episode of Adjusting the Life. It's your host, Marcus Caradine, with the boys. We out. Peace. Later. See ya. Bye. Good night. <laughs>